The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. Welcome to the future of business, a podcast run by a team of MBA students which takes you behind the walls of the business school to explore the diverse range of sectors and stories embedded in the Oxford MBA cohort and beyond and how they will shape the future of business. My name is Rudolf Okain. Today I have with me Prince Eka and we'll be talking about e-commerce in Africa. Yep. Prince is a student, an MBA student here at the University of Oxford, Said Business School. Welcome Prince. Thank you, it's my pleasure to be here. Alright, so uh, there's a lot to talk about in the e-commerce sector and I can see a lot of things are happening in that space, especially in Africa. Yeah. So maybe you could start telling us about yourself and how you got yourself involved in the e-commerce. Okay, yeah. So, so my e-commerce story started... Um, uh, shortly after graduating from university, I was working with an IT distribution company in Nigeria. And at that point, I started to see a lot of gaps in the market. You know, the informal market was huge. We have a place in Nigeria called Computer Village. Um, it's just like a huge open informal market where over, I, th- I think the last estimate was about 10 billion naira in, trans- in transactions happened in, in that place alone. So th- there's it's a huge volume market, but it's very unstructured. Um, so I started thinking of ways to put a structure around it. Uh, so I came up with an idea to start an omni-channel e-commerce platform called Udala. And um, it was quite successful. We were able to scale extremely quickly. We're to the point where in three years we acquired a competition uh, called Conga. And um, we were able to grow into a huge uh, e-commerce marketplace uh, that connects buyers and sellers. On our platform, we have over a million products today, still growing very quickly. We have over 100,000 merchants, still growing very quickly. And the idea is to connect buyers and um, um, sellers with um with, with a new line of uh, customers. All right, that's good. Um, it's quite interesting that you said you have that computer village doing over ten billion naira, which is about almost twenty five million dollars. Yes. And coming from Ghana, I can resonate to the fact that the informal sector is very big. Yeah. But the former the companies haven't been able to find a way to embed their system there. Yeah. In banking and e commerce. Yeah. Because of yeah, what you call it, the infrastructure and facilities. I yeah. think. So how did you start? How did you overcome that challenges mm. by getting the idala and mm. what does Conga actually do right now? Yeah. So I, I think the problem with, with a lot of companies is they focus on destroying the informal markets instead of focusing on collaborating with the informal markets. I, I think what, what helped our success um, very early is we, we were working with the informal markets. So we, we had um, most of our, our merchants are people from the informal markets. So we basically told them that, guys, um, you're selling 10 products a day. If you're on a platform, we can expose you to the whole of Nigeria. So instead of selling 10 products, you're selling 150 products. And um, and of course, it made a lot of sense to them. Um, of course, there was a lot of things we had to do in terms of educating people on how to use the platform. Um, a lot of these people had never used um, um, a lot of technology products at that point. So there was a lot of education, a lot of training. Uh, but once we crossed that hurdle, it became extremely easy. And once, once you, you have a store, people see that you're making a lot of revenue. The person beside you also wants to be part of that process. And so it, it kind of helped us uh, scale very quickly. So so, so Conga today, um, Conga started off initially as just an e-commerce uh, company, uh, e-commerce marketplace, but we, we eventually had to launch our own logistics um, company to deal with the logistics challenges in Nigeria. Um, today, Conga probably has one of the most efficient uh, last mile delivery networks in West Africa, just based on the fact that we're trying to solve our own problem in terms of delivering to the last mile in rural areas, especially. Um, we also have uh, Conga Pay. We have our own payment platform. 
in Nigeria as at 2014-2015, it was 80% of transactions will fail. Interesting. Yeah, so it, it was a huge problem, especially for an e-commerce platform, you know. Uh, we, we do offer payment on delivery, but um, you want to ensure that people that who, are, who want to pay before they get the item delivered are able to do that. And it was a huge problem. So we started our own um, payment platform, Conga Pay, to solve that problem. We also have Conga Travels. We have Conga Food. We have... Uh, so we, we kind of just added verticals. The, the idea is once you have a, a, a host of customers, we're able to offer them services across, uh, across different industries. And uh, I think our customers love us for it. Well, that's good. That's interesting to know. Um, it's like looking at the Amazon model, Uber yeah. model, bringing the Uber Eats. Yeah. How, how difficult was it to embed? Because I know that sometimes the addressing system can be very challenging, especially yeah. coming from Africa. Oh, yes. That's a huge so, problem. So how did you guys overcome that side for you to be able to know that, all right, I mean, if you order your goods, we are going to find your location. Yeah. We're going to develop that. How did you overcome that? Yes. So, so one thing I always tell people I work with, especially people coming into into the African region, or people um, or, or people who are trying to launch startups uh, within the African space, is you always have to understand the local environment, and um, the players before us, um, in terms of logistics players, um, third party logistics partners, they they try to just copy and paste um, westernized westernized models in in Africa, and and that doesn't work well. So we took a different approach. We realize that in Africa, they have a lot of communities and people know each other in the communities. So if if, if we're from the same village, I know where Rudolph lives, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I go to church with Rudolph, I do this with Rudolph. So you have that interaction. So we decided to leverage on that interaction. So what we started doing, we started empowering people in communities to become logistics players. Okay. So, so we give them loans to, to get um, um, trucks, to get vans, to get motorcycles for last month delivery. And we kind of empower them to deliver on our behalf. So you know the area. We don't know the area. Okay. Um, you're, you, you work as a franchisee partner. We pay you a cut of, out of everything you deliver. And that way, you're empowering the community. You know, people are making money. They're hiring people within the community to work as logistics um, delivery personnel. So, so that's how we kind of found a way around that. And we're able to scale that um, very quickly. That's, that's, quite, that's fascinating. You mm-hmm. sort of localize the supply chain yes. based on the region because they understand their... Yes, that's right. And, and you also give them autonomy. That's yes. very, very interesting. Yes. And uh, so, so far, what would you say is the the network size of Conga? Are you covering the whole of Nigeria, or you're just in certain parts of Nigeria? Yeah, we cover the whole of Nigeria in terms of delivery. Um, uh, but I must say that because of uh, um, political unrest in some areas, um, we, we do shut down delivery to, to particular areas at certain times. But in general, we, we do deliver across the entire Nigeria. That is only a big business yeah. because. Then that means what I see right now is they're not even leveraging on the existing supply chain because you figured a way to penetrate. Yes, yes. That means somebody can even also leverage on what you have as a supply chain. So then the question is, is Conga a supply chain business or an e-commerce business? Because it looks like you perfected mm. the supply chain model in Nigeria right Yeah, now. I mean, the, so someone like Amazon, they call themselves a technology company. And I feel like the reason they have that privilege to call themselves a technology company is because they already had a lot of the foundations already set for them. When they came into the market, you know, Amazon started started off shipping with the I think U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. So it, th- that system already existed for them. Uh, when we came into the markets in, in in Nigeria, that system did not exist for us. So we had to kind of create that system, and uh, by creating that system, we also added additional value uh, able to bring to the company because we have um, external people that ship through Conga because of how efficient we are delivering to the last man. So 
we still we, we are an e-commerce business but we, we're just very good at at supply chain i'll put it that way oh okay okay that, that's interesting so now yeah. people can also use congress service the third party for delivery yes, not yes. necessarily buying from conga yeah so so we have, we have a full logistics um company called um k express yeah, okay. so, so he handles logistics for conga and for a host of other um e- both e-commerce companies and also other p- um, individuals who just want to ship items across the country oh okay yeah. and uh within the market in nigeria and i'll say maybe west africa what do you see are the key players and the competitors within that space? Because I'm sure yeah. you, you've done this. Others are going to see there's going to be new threats coming to the market. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see in terms of competitors and threats? Um, the, the, the main threat I see is social media. Um, I've been looking into the, 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 the space of social commerce. It's, it's becoming extremely big in, in Africa. And, and that's the main thing I see as a threat. But like I say, we, we, we're a very collaborative company. So we always look at ways to partner. Um, with, with whatever trend is going on in the market, whether it's the informal market, whether it's social media, and, and find ways to leverage on them. So one thing we were doing, we, we started working with a lot of um, people that sell on social media platforms to leverage on our logistics service. Because um, you, you have a, yes, you sell on social media, but someone is going to have to deliver it to, to the last mile for you. Um, so we're able to leverage on that, uh, leverage on our payment platform. Okay, set up a wallet so that it's easier for you to collect payments for, you, for, for your customers, you know. So the, the idea is just to tie, we created an ecosystem across the entire Conga business that people can leverage on regardless of what you're doing. So we, we don't really see that as, as competition. We, we, we're able to turn a threat basically to an opportunity and try and, try and leverage on that to, to, to grow the company even further. Oh, I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it, it just drew my mind to read that. These days, a lot of people are selling their Instagram pages, yeah. Yeah. Facebook pages, and it's free. Yeah. It's a free platform. Yeah, it's free. And, and I actually know of a business that I think it's a clothing business. Mm-hmm. They post online on, on Instagram yeah. and bidding is with just within 10 minutes. Wow. So they give you the time ahead and mm-hmm. say, let's say between 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. to 8, 10 p.m., mm-hmm. that's going to be the bid. You put in your bid first, come first, serve, and at the end, in 10 minutes, it ends. It's amazing. And you realize that within that period, there's so much traffic to that yeah. page. Yeah. And that's yeah. a lot of people, that's a lot of data. And yeah. And it's quite interesting to know that you guys are leveraging on that because at the end of the day, they need to get it to you. Yes. So they need yes. to rely on a third-party supply chain yes. to make sure that the items get to someone and also need to uh, a reliable payment system. Thank you. All right. Yeah. So if we, your payment system, let me get, I guess it's being embedded in the mobile money system in Nigeria. Yes, yes. All right. So you are working with the mobile networks, but just that you own the platform and they can pay fair that platform. Yes, yes. So, sort of, sort of to an extent. So, so the, way, the way it works in Nigeria is... Um, you get a license from the Central Bank of Nigeria. Conga was one of the last companies to get that uh, license for mobile money in the country. But essentially, what that enables you to do is it enables you to act uh, almost like a bank. So it enables you to um, create a wallet for your customers. That, that provides immense value for, for our Conga customers. It enables you to um, set up payment processing within Conga. So we process our, our own payments uh, internally. And it also enables you to do things like um, allow customers to domicile their money in their wallets, transfer to different wallets, pay both within and outside Conga. So it enables a lot of services for customers. Also things like paying your DSTV bills, your your phone bills, whatever it may be. It allows you to do all that within one platform. Oh, that's good. But are there any plans or are you already in the pipeline doing that, trying to expand outside Nigeria into the it's a bigger West African space? Yeah. West Africa is about 500 million people. Yeah. Nigeria is the biggest market. Yeah. But that problem you had in Nigeria, we have a similar challenge in Ghana, yeah. similar challenge, I'm sure, very interesting, Ivory Coast, yeah. Sierra Leone, and other West African countries. Are there plans for you to extend 
the oh, networks of other countries? Definitely, definitely. We're, we're actually going through a funding round right now um, to raise money for our expansion. Um, we, we have a competitor in Nigeria who expanded very early. And I feel like they made a lot of mistakes that we've, we've kind of learned from. Uh, and um, that, that, that kind of gave us a strategic direction in terms of how we want to ex um, execute our ex expansion plan. Yeah, but definitely we do have plans to, to expand across uh, across Africa, starting with uh, Ghana. Oh, that's yeah. good. I feel like that's good. Ghana and Nigeria have a very close, uh, in terms of demographics, you know, yes. um, the, the way the people think, the way they act, you know, the culture, very similar sure. with, with Nigeria and Ghana. So it's, it's a very easy market to, um, 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 to come into for us. I mean, I'll be happy yeah. to see Konga in, in, in Ghana and say, oh, definitely. Hey, that spreads business. Because <laughs> uh, what I realize is that once we're able to improve that supply chain, it will be easy to ship from Ghana to Nigeria. Because yeah. I think these days a lot of people use the air, air freight because air freight, it's faster. Yes. Yes. And you probably think, well, I know it's very convenient, but DHL is going to track it. Yes, yes. But then, like you said, the guys who live in the community know the community much, much better. Yes. Because there have been instances right. that somebody from DHL will give you a call and say, hello, I'm supposed to deliver a parcel to you, yeah. but can you help me locate your place? Yes, yes. Because sometimes the addressing system is not as we have in the Western yes. world. Yes. Yeah, here you have your postcodes and you have all that, so it makes it extremely easy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, back in Africa, somebody probably say, Take left, take right, take left. And yeah. if you miss a 10, you probably missed your way because yeah. the postcode sometimes yeah. doesn't even work. It, yeah. it relocates to a different place. Yeah. So, so imagine like having to deal with that for thousands and thousands of orders. It, it, it becomes extremely, uh, extremely tough. Yeah, yeah. You have to find a way to go around that, uh, that system. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but coming to your IT infrastructure, how do you guys have a problem with cybersecurity? Because these days, mm. once you have a flow of uh, things happening on your platform, yeah. Somebody can just try hacking to your system, mm. slow down your orders, mm. uh, create that mistrust. Yeah. Have you guys been experiencing that? How are you guys dealing with those sort of problems? Also, we have a very strong tech team. Yeah. Um, so we that's that's why I, I'm still very very adamant that we're we're a technology company because a lot of things a lot of things we do internally is driven by technology, which is why we have to have a very robust technology team. That our team builds all our internal applications that we use from our logistics applications to Conga Pay to the website. Everything is done internally, um, so, so that's number one. And then we also have a very sec strong security team within that to, to to protect the platform, applications, our backend to make sure everything is, is fully secure. Yeah, so, so so you're right. I mean, ha hackers can hack into anything today, so it's, it's tough to say 100% secure. But it's just to, to to keep updating your security as time goes. You know, when you find new bugs, you find new loopholes. And you keep trying to close them up so that nobody tries to, to, to break into your system. Yeah, good. Yeah. And our cyber security part, you know what happened in 2020? Yeah. When the whole world had to shut down. Yeah. Uh, there were disruptions in the supply chains. Yeah. The countries had to close their borders. Even within countries, yeah. people were on lockdown, couldn't go out. What impact did they have on your business? Um, I mean, uh, it's a double-edged sword because on one end, like in Nigeria, there was a lockdown. So, so people had to stay at home, meaning that... Um, the uh, our volumes of online orders increased dramatically, um, so, so th th that was the kind of the good side. I, I don't want to say there's a good side to COVID, but that, that was kind of the positive outlook um, for, for the technology yeah, companies. For, for, yeah, for, for the tech companies. But also on the other side, we also had a lot of supply chain issues, meaning that um, products were not necessarily available uh, as they were. But like, like I said, supply chain is kind of um, one of our core strengths. So, so we just started thinking outside the box. Um, instead of relying on our, on our usual supply chain network, we started um, sourcing products from Dubai, from China, from Singapore, just to, to fulfill our, our demand. So, so we kind of went global to try and source products before the market even realized how bad things were going to be. Because we, we, at, at the point um, COVID started happening, it became very clear to us that there's going to be a lot of supply chain disruption. 
once China started to to ramp down and started to lock down, we're like, this is going to be a big problem. So we started buying stock in volume. Oh, okay. We're not sure. So we're taking a risk. It's kind of, it's, yeah, it was a big risk you're yeah, taking to, well, to increase your inventory. Thank you. So we're kind of go, it's like kind of going long on the market, you know, hoping everything pans out. Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah, so so we started buying a lot of inventory. And um, when things started shutting down around the world, it became to our benefits. Because at some point, we, we had so much volume that we started exporting products outside Nigeria. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so it became a huge business opportunity for us. And because Conga, outside of e-commerce, we have a, a business-to-business um, um, okay. um, part of the organization where, where we supply top companies. We, we work with uh, Total, we work with um, top FMCG companies, Unilever, and, and so on and so forth, where we supply them products. Um, so we kind of expanded this out to more of a, of a um, distribution network where, because we have items available in volume at great prices, people in, in, in Dubai were, were willing to buy from us. You know, people in the UK were willing to buy from us. So it, it created a whole new market opportunity for us that up to now we're still leveraging on that. You see why I say, is it an e-commerce business or a supply chain business? Yeah. <laughs> because I, I realized that um, you have yeah. sort of, you, you just created a just-in-time approach yeah. within the COVID uh, period. Because I realized, I remember back in January 2020, you go to the pharmacy and people are rushing for no smacks. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, we know there's something happening in China, but mm-hmm. why are people rushing for the no smacks? Yeah. And before we knew there was shortage of yeah. smacks in, yeah. in the market. You're right. Pharmacies didn't have it, and those who had it, the prices went yeah. up. You couldn't buy a thermometer. Yeah, so even it, tissue paper. Even tissue paper, <laughs> yes, even tissue paper. So it's quite interesting that you guys did that and even yeah. expanded to the business-to-business side of yeah. doing that. Oh, that's, that's actually interesting. Yeah. And uh, so doing this, uh, you know, with technology, there are new trends coming up. Yeah. Uh, there's blockchain, there's items. It's yeah. Conga embracing new technology. Are they trying to get into the blockchain space mm-hmm. or AI, what's Conga trying to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, blockchain has always fa- fascinated me. Uh, I, I started getting really interested in blockchain maybe uh, eight years ago. Okay. But I had a terrible experience. I, 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 I invested in some crypto assets on a platform called Cryptomania. And uh, next thing you know, the, the platform was hacked into. Oh. And it went into bankruptcy. So I, oh, I lost okay. I lost all the... I had a couple oh. of Bitcoin. Let, let me put it that way. Oh, okay. And I, 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 I lost everything, you know. Sorry about that. But it, it happens. It happens, yeah. But, but I mean, it, 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 didn't, um, it didn't move my interest in, in, in cryptocurrency and blockchain network. Especially when, when you began to look at uh, stable coins and some of the impacts of um, platforms like uh, Ethereum. Um, yeah. What it does for decentralized finance. I mean, it's, it's really massive because th- these... These blockchain networks have the capacity to solve a problem in a lot of African countries of the unbanked. In, in Nigeria today, we have, I believe, it's still over 100, 100 million people unbanked. Oh. In Nigeria. And that's, yeah, that's about 50% of the population. Yeah, yeah I think it's even more. And, and, and that's three times bigger than the size yeah. of Ghana. Because Ghana's population of Ghana is 30 million. Yes, yes. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of people that don't have access to, to the financial institutions. You know? Okay. So, so these people, obviously, if you don't have an, a bank account, you can't, you can't get a loan. You, know? you, you, can't, you can't do these things. But with these decentralized finance applications, they're able to offer a whole new ecosystem outside uh, the banking system. So it provides a whole lot of opportunities. So in terms of Conga Pay, we're looking at a lot of things we can do around that while still working with, with regulators to make sure that um, we're on the right path. Okay. And... Um, and there's also a project I've been working on, which has to do with. Um, um, so let, let me set the context first before I before I talk about the project. So in, in Nigeria, eighty to ninety percent of what we consume in terms of products are imported. Okay. But the problem is the central bank does not have enough dollar liquidity to provide 
dollars to local companies to import those products because you have to pay your suppliers in dollars wherever they are in the world. Yeah, exactly. Dollar is the, is the trade currency. So um, we found a way using cryptocurrency to, to, try, to try to find a way around that. So the, the idea is you have your local currency in Nigeria called the Naira. You're able to unramp it into cryptocurrency using stable coins because you don't want an asset that's going to fluctuate uh, quickly. Yeah. So you use stable coins spec to the US dollar. From there, you off-ramp it into US dollars, and we have partners that we work with to do that, and then you move the money back into Nigeria. So we're able to, this is like purely B2B business, we're able to work with businesses to supply them dollars to allow them to continue to import their products. Did, yeah. did you guys have anything to do with the Nigerian Central Bank going, trying to come up with e-Naira? Because, you know, they try yes, to create yeah. uh, the coins or, to also use. Yes, yes, yes. We have nothing to do with that. Okay. I actually don't believe, I, I mean... I'm skeptical about um, um, country, um, they call them CBDCs. Um, I'm a bit skeptical about that, especially in markets where the, the currency is already inefficient. Yes. So is, is the central bank just saying, okay, this is the Naira, this is the digital Naira. They still control it the same way. Their monetary policy is still affected the same way. So it, in essence, it's not solving the problem that the digital currency should actually solve. Yeah, it's basically changing the paper into digital, but the trend is probably going to be the same. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. but if a country like the US decides to have its own stable coin, that provides immense value. Because what that means is that people, instead of working with private um, um, stable coin companies, I can actually buy my, my, my digital currency from, directly from the US government. Oh, right. so, so if the US does it, it might not have a huge impact for American citizens, but for people around the world, for trading, for export and import companies, it provides immense value. Oh, okay. And um, so within that space that you're trying to do using the crypto... How is that regulated? Is it regulated in Nigeria? Is it not a bigger risk to your company? No, so so this operates completely outside outside of uh, of Conga. Conga. Yes, so it's, it's a new project I've been working on with a few people, kind of to explore the space. Okay. Um, we're still working around uh, regulatory issues, um, because from country to country you have different regulations around crypto, how it works, and because you're doing international um, fund transfers, you also have to be extremely careful that you're not breaking any rules. Yeah, so we're still working with regulators right now. We found a way to operate that system seamlessly without any problems. But crypto regulations keep changing on a daily basis. So so it's just for us to keep working with regulators to make sure that we're on the right path. Oh, that's yeah. that's that's interesting. Yeah. That'd be fascinating. I mean, uh, talking about the unbanked, uh, same in Ghana, uh, I realized that out of the population of 30 million, mm -hmm. we have just about 4 million people who actually have bank accounts. Yeah. And four times that number have mobile money accounts. Yeah. And, uh, it's amazing. So now you realize that a lot of people are trading on their mobile money account yeah. than they actually go to the bank to withdraw. And most of these guys are in the informal sector. Yeah. So finding a way around it, it's just not just going to help Conga, I tell you, but probably yeah. the other businesses yeah. because yeah. they provide a platform to get that flow. That cash is flowing in the system, yeah. but the government doesn't even get access to that to even tax, yeah. to even <laughs> tax it. So it's, it's actually interesting. Yeah. Uh, so looking at the e-commerce space and Conga, what do you actually see in the future? Do you see decentralizing of uh, of these e-commerce markets yeah. instead of having one company that stays, let's say, Abuja or Lagos, mm. overseeing the whole of Nigeria. How, mm. how do you see that? I think because of economies of scale, it's always easier to, to centralize, you know, and I have one company that controls the entire country in terms of, um, not controls, but um, um, supplies the entire country. And e-commerce, because of the difficulty in Africa, is is difficult for smaller companies to thrive um, until, until the, the network is set up seamlessly. 
which is what people like, uh, like Conga be trying to do, to set up a logistics network that works across the entire country, where it's seamless for anybody to just plug into it. But but for, for newer players who are trying to set up their own systems, it's extremely difficult and extremely expensive. It's, it's a lot of uh, capital investment to, to, um, to do all that. Um, so I, I think in the future, what I foresee is bigger players like Amazon, Alibaba coming into Africa. Africa is the hot cake in the market right now. Um, FinTech, EdTech, AgriTech, there's a lot of investments going into Africa. Um, one of our professors, Tim, Tim Galpin, I hope I got his name right, uh, he was talking about how the world that's left China is moving to Africa now. Because uh, especially in terms of um, VCs and our funds, they see the unbelievable returns you can get from, from yeah. Africa. Huge risk, but even in more insane returns. Yeah, so yes. so they, they're moving their focus towards Africa. Um, they've started investing um, lightly. I mean, if you look at it in the global scheme of things, it's still a very small uh, share of the sure. overall market, but it's growing extremely quickly. And, and I find that um, very interesting. We have a lot of great projects coming into, um, a lot of great projects coming out of Africa. A lot of interesting things are being done. And I think the market is going to continue to grow. Uh, like I said, we don't have any problem with competition. I believe, I believe competition creates an ecosystem for the market to continue to grow. Um, but what I do foresee is huge players like Amazon and Aliwa are coming into the market. They will either come into the market by acquiring a player like us or by starting their own operations. But because of the difficulties in Africa, it's a lot easier for them to just acquire a player. Um, or merge yeah, with you guys. Or merge with us than to and to start up the operations from scratch. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about Amazon trying to get into Egypt. Uh, yeah. I think it probably didn't work out as they planned. But I I mean, I've heard rumors of Amazon trying yeah, they, to come full scale in Africa. They, they did go into the Middle East. They, um, Amazon acquired a company called Souk. Souk.com. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So so they, after they acquired Souk, I think they eventually rebounded it back to Amazon. But they, they, they have full operations in the Middle East. So, so I believe they are, they are looking at, at, at Africa attentively. And uh, I mean, we've had a couple of discussions with them in the past, but they, 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 these things still take a while. So they're definitely looking at um, Africa as, as, as a hot market. But the question is the approach. How, how are they going to enter the market? Hopefully, hopefully they come. Because I think what you guys have probably done very well is to get that supply chain network. Yeah. I, I realize it's difficult to get it done. Yeah, I yeah. come from Ghana. I've seen it happen. Yeah. So what you guys have done in terms of localizing that, that's actually a smart business, business model you have. Mm. So with all this business you are doing, strategy and all that, we are learning this in business school. Yeah. How is the Oxford MBA helping you and shaping you up as you go back to continue running the Conquer business? Although the, the, the MBA program in Oxford, why, why I like it is, be, number one, is because it's very international. Um, I really give Oxford uh, its props in making sure that it's fully represented in the program. So you, you meet people from all around the world, the interesting stories, and these are people that, that would have great impact on your network, you know, whatever the case may be. So, so that, that, that's number one, the network. Um, um, and number two, regardless of what I've done in my past, um, I still I still always believe that there's room to learn. So so I've, just from the classes, I've, I've learned so much, and you even learn more from conversations with people in the cohorts than you do from 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 the actual classes. You know, the the, the classes kind of pro, um, provide like a framework, and then from there you build on the discussions with with, with people around you. That's correct. So I mean, I, I've I've learned so much about things that I, I didn't even know I had an interest for. I mean, yesterday I was just sitting down in the in the uh, one of the seminar rooms. And one of my friends walk in, and then somebody else walks in, and they start discussing energy. And the next thing, you know, we have a two-hour discussion about um, solar energy in Africa, the impact, the companies that come into the space. So, I mean, these are these are things to me that I probably won't have had that discussion if I was doing what I was doing, you know. And it really broadens your mind, it broadens your spectrum, so that you begin to to look at things from different perspectives, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, I really thoroughly do, do enjoy the program. Um, unfortunately, it's just one year. 
So I know. that one year goes extremely quickly. So I know. the idea is just to try and grab as much as you can within that one year. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, some of the discussions you have up coming to Oxford, I worked in the oil and gas space. Yeah. But now I learned so much about blockchain, e-commerce, yeah. AI business, agreg, yeah. sustainable agreg. And sometimes I didn't even know that some of these technologies were even deployed in Africa. Yeah. Just just in my backyard. Yeah. You meet somebody saying, oh, I was in Ghana working on this project. Yeah. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. It's amazing. So, so it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's quite nice having uh, other 70 countries, people from other 70 countries yeah. in the class. It gives that diversity. Yeah. Just that it's one year. But within that one year, What's your favorite go-to place in Oxford? I have to ask you this. What What do you do outside the classroom? Because there's very limited time to yeah, do this. Yeah. Um, my favorite go-to place would probably be Oxford Retreats. Okay. Yeah, I feel like the MBAs have kind of uh, dominated the Oxford Retreats, especially on, on Friday nights. We just turned the, the, the place to our own, you know, and because the MBAs is such a close, um, close-knit um, society, a community that people go out in volume. So when you see a group of people going, MBAs going out, they're going out with like 30 people at the same time. So it can get crazy sometimes, but no, definitely. I've had a lot of great nights at Oxford Retreats, at La Casa, at the African Heat. Um, yeah, there's some great times there. But outside uh, the outside the classes, I um, also play for the basketball team. Okay. Yeah, so so that's that's very interesting. I play for the the Blues. The Blues. Yeah, so, so so it's been a great experience doing that. Um, and of course, you know, you hang around, you go to cafes, go for breakfast, go for dinner with different people. I mean, um, a lot of the MBA experience is really just like getting out there, you know, talking to people, getting outside your comfort zone, talking to people that you you, you probably won't have spoken to on a normal day, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I'm really enjoying the experience. Um, and hopefully we'll all get the best out of this in our one year here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I meet people outside the MBA and they say, you guys in the NBA are social club. Yeah. You guys are always <laughs> together networking. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we are trying to make the best out of it. Yeah. Strategy, network, marketing, put yourself out there. Yeah. To learn, give back, share, and you, you grow from there. Yeah. You, you get out of your comfort zone to, to explore what Oswald has to give. Yeah, All right. It's, it's been fascinating talking to you. It's been yeah. interesting. I learned so much. And I'm actually looking forward to see Conga coming to Ghana, even expanding beyond West Africa. Yeah, definitely. And it will be interesting to see where you guys going. Hopefully, maybe you guys will sort of acquire that. Amazon subsidiary in Africa. Oh, it'll, it'll see, be, it'll be you never know. We might acquire Amazon. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be very interesting to have that, you know. And I mean, ten years from now, we'll be having as a case study yeah, how yeah. Conga acquired Amazon in the strategy class, yeah, in the M&A yeah. class. Yeah, I'll happily come to Oxford to to be present during that lecture. <laughs> I hope to be around. And say we spoke about that before it happened. It's been interesting talking to you, Prince, yeah. and I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, my pleasure.